Harbor Covenant Church has been an active church in Gig Harbor since 1980. And even beyond Gig Harbor, we've built relationships with people and organizations around the globe. Our podcast series, Harbor Cove Tales, serves to highlight and explore stories throughout the generations of the many people who call Harbor Cove home. The very beginnings of Harbor Covenant took a lot of commitment and even more faith. But for the founding members of Harbor Covenant, it was worth it to build something with eternal impact. Pastor Michael White sits down with one of our founding members, Carolyn Holdike, to chat about what it took to start a church and what it takes 40 years later to keep it going. Nothing ever really is done by one person alone. It seems like it's always done by a group of people. Uh, It takes a team effort usually to accomplish something really important. Uh, But as I've talked to the group of people that were at the very beginning of Harbor Covenant Church, um, almost universally they say the real driving forces behind this the real people who had the vision, who, who developed it and kept the flame burning, burning and then pushed us through were Tom and Carolyn Holdike. And I know that neither one of you would want the accolade because you're both you know, so careful about wanting to make sure that glory goes to God and not to you. Um, but that's, that's what everybody says. In fact, I, rem- I remember that um, when we built the gathering place, that there was some discussion about maybe naming it Holdike Hall, you know, to honor (laughs) the two of you. And so uh, I was deputized to (laughs) broach the subject with Tom. And so I I told him about that. And uh, his response was exactly what I would have expected it to be. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's, you know, there's a lot of humility when it comes to the whole dykes. But I think any way you slice it, uh, you guys were so instrumental in uh, the vision for beginning this church. So take me back to the beginning. Um, what what exactly, because you all were at um, First Covenant Tacoma. First Covenant Tacoma. Uh, a number of us had moved to Gig Harbor, and, um, and we began to wish we had a church in Gig Harbor to whom we could invite neighbors. Um, that We had one bridge at that time, and uh, and so I believe before, or maybe in 1978, people began to kind of think about and talk about. And then uh, Tom and I went to Wisconsin for a year. Tom did a sabbatical leave at the University of Wisconsin. And um, when we came back, that's when people got their feet on the ground and started to pursue that. So, so who was over here? So you guys had moved over, right? And Tom who else? and Marnie Ord, um, Arlene and George Daly, Warren and Margaret Olson, Dalen and Dwight Mason. Mm-hmm. So it was like six or seven yes, couples. Yes, yes. That, but you all came from uh, First Covenant of Tacoma. That's right. Okay. So, so really, you guys were over here in Gig Harbor, and you're going back and forth across the one bridge, which yes. I understand was a real hassle. Yes. 
um, because of, of, of traffic. So it really wasn't about convenience. I mean, I suppose none of you would have minded not having to go to Tacoma, but it really was about wanting to have a place to invite your neighbors to. Yes. Now, at that time, there were probably about five churches in Gig Harbor. And, um, and so we kind of felt there was certainly room for a covenant church. And um, so we began to pursue that possibility. So um, I know that some of the prayer meetings that you guys had to, um, to discern God's will were somewhat legendary in that uh, even Warren Olson told me the story yes. about, I don't remember whose house you were at, but that everybody was in the living room praying for it and Warren was in another room praying against it. Yes. But how did those prayer meetings get started? We actually met also for Bible study prayer. And so, um, you know, and we realized we needed a process to approach this. And we began to pray and then talk to the conference and uh, then investigated with the Covenant Church in Chicago. Uh, Yeah. So what do you remember the character of those prayer meetings being? Just that sense of uh, seeking God, seeking how we go about this seeking his will. Uh, And it was hard. It was hard for Warren and Margaret and Arlene and George Daly. Uh, You know, they were rooted in First Covenant, and as as well as Tom and Marnie Ord. I mean, they had grown up there. They were probably cradle roll there. Yeah. So you began to pray about that. And what kind of response did you get from the conference and from the denomination? Oh, they were interested in pursuing that. Um, And before long, we were assigned Bob Bennett as a developmental pastor. I'm not sure what the term is. Uh, And so he would come out and meet with us and uh, guide us into the next step. Okay, so he was just kind of helping with process and helping know what to do. Right. I remember once he took some of us up to where he lived in like Issaquah or someplace where they were starting a church there. And so we met with those folks to get a sense of what it would involve. And I, the one thing I remember there was that it involved total commitment, <laughs> you know, that everybody would be a, a part of the start and everybody would doing, be doing what needed to be done, which was everything. <laughs> yeah. So you, he, so that gave you a little bit of a picture then, maybe yes. a reality check yes. of what it might look like to actually do this. Right. So at, at that point, so you, you get a picture of this other church and you already have this vision that you feel like you had from God and you have a desire to reach your neighbors and have um, a place to invite them to. Um, what were what were the hopes and dreams? I mean, that that you had. What did you think this thing was going to look like, or that you hoped that it was would look like? Um, again, it was just that sense of reaching our community, Gig Harbor, of having a place where um, people could come and uh, sound teaching. It, it's kind of interesting because I often think of. Uh, you know, and now being the recipient 30 years later 
of uh, you know what the original planning and the original vision was. Um, I often feel like uh, those dreams uh, really are still reality here, that this is a very warm church that has a real interest in people actually coming to know Jesus. Right. You know, and there still very much is this undercurrent of people feeling like they want to be able to bring their friends and family members to this place. And it's it's just so interesting to know that that was what was the desire at the very beginning. Yes. That reminds me of something, and that was um, in those early years, and I think especially I think of in this church, the current church, um, we would, Ernie, our pastor, founding pastor, would always keep a bouquet of carnations, white carnations, like on the altar table at front uh-huh. uh, and put one in every time somebody became a Christian. Oh, really? A new Christian, yeah. And so by the end of the year, you know, we'd have this full bouquet. Wow. And, and that that obviously must have been exciting when you, because of the vision that you had to see it come to fruition, to see people's lives really change yes. for Jesus because of the vision that you all had had. So it had to be very satisfying. Um, did you come with the blessing of First Covenant? How did that church feel about all of this? I think there were some who hesitated, uh, but there were some who really stepped in and and um, helped it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think anytime I've been involved with something like that, you know, or even planting the North Campus here yes. or thinking about Bremerton, you know, it, it, you're always a little bit torn emotionally because on the one hand, you want to be involved with the ministry. On the other hand, you're going to miss your friends. Right, <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I'm sure that was part of it. So how was the mortuary chosen? I mean, the, the endless springboard for jokes, but how was it right, actually chosen? right. I'm trying to think, maybe it was Bob Bennett who suggested that we find a location that would be easily reached from the highway. And of course, there it is. It is easily reached and from the highway. And of course, it had a, a chapel. And they were very open to greeting us and allowing us to use the mortuary on Sundays. It's actually a great facility. Oh, I mean, it is. if you can get over the dead people thing, yes. the, the facility is actually beautiful right. and perfect for it. Right. But there are some interesting stories about that. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, um, well, Tom and Stephen, maybe David, would go to Your help sons. set up. Yes. The, the first, uh, you know, before people arrived for Sunday. And once there was a coffin, open coffin, in a room. And... He had glasses on, and Stephen's eight-year-old thought was, I didn't know they could read. <laughs> so there, there were stories meeting where we did, uh, but uh, it was a beautiful facility. Some interesting surprises, too, yes. no doubt. Gee, I wonder what's behind that door. Yes, yes. Now, was 16 as busy as it is now? Because sometimes I feel like I'm taking my life in my hands, um, uh, going to and leaving that cemetery. Right. I don't think it was quite so busy. Yeah. I never, I don't remember the fear of trying to get out of that driveway. But there's never been a back way. So it's always oh, been yes, it's always on been. 16. Okay. Well, you know, it, it, 
it is highway close. So that, right. that did meet that. In one direction. In one direction, <laughs> right? Um, all right, so there's the funny memories of, you know, the, it being in a funeral home. But what are some of your other memories of the early days? Um, we, well, I think of how God brought people. Um, things would happen in people's lives, and they found they had nothing to turn to. And somehow they would come, and that was the beginning of their life of faith. Hmm. Some who are still with, you know, in our church today. Now, I've heard from more than one person that Margaret Olson was famous for after church handing a vacuum to visitors and saying, we need your help. Would you vacuum this area? Oh, so. that, <laughs> right, right. Well, we all did what needed to be done um, because our, our job, you know, I don't think they charged us for using that facility, uh, but they did expect that it would be left clean. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. So when you start a church, and this, you've, you've mentioned this a couple of times now, um, it, it really is an all-hands-on-deck kind oh, of yes. thing. I mean, it, you can't be half-committed. Right. Everybody has to jump in. And at some level, it's exhausting. But at another level, it's really quite fulfilling. Oh, yes. Um, and then I feel like... When you get to the point where it's kind of like normal church, it's almost like you lose something when you don't need that 100% involvement. Do you feel like that happened? That or? can happen. And the other thing that can happen is you become so, uh, you've made friends at such a deep level that it can be easy not to be welcoming new ones as far as, you know, like we were, Ernie Hansel, our pastor, would uh, try to suggest that we break up and form new small groups. But, but that was hard for us. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that was a, a difficulty as time went on. And I think it's still a challenge. But oh, I, yes. I think it's just human nature. You know, because I think there are so many people that really do want to see other people have what they have. Yes. But it's also hard to give that up because you know it will change if you invite someone else. Right. So it is a bit of a horn of a dilemma, you know. It is. Um, Yeah. So interesting how you, you know, you, you want to develop this tight community, which then you can invite people into to belong. But every time you invite somebody into the community, the community changes. Yes. So what were so as you you know you're you're at the mortuary and you're laying plans for purchasing other properties, but time is passing. And what were some of the challenges um, that you faced? Um, well, the first challenge at the mortuary was that we outgrew it. And so then we ended up at Gig Harbor High School. And that was a very different setting, a larger space. But still, new people kept coming, and, uh, and that was good. But then in, very shortly, uh, well, actually, let me step back one moment. Um, so in the summer of 1979 and then the rest of the year, 
we begin that development. Where, where do we go from here? And um, by Easter of 1980, we started our first service at Harbor, uh, at Haven of Rest. And then we moved to the high school. And by the high school, we began looking for property to build a church. So how is this property that the church currently owned, how is that identified? And I imagine, you know, even though prices were different back in 1980, it still had to be a chunk of change for people to think about. Right. Um, we had people who were in real estate and or businesses where they bought uh, land for purposes. And so we had people skilled in that area. And we were, again, advised, uh, you know, an, uh, close access to the freeway. And uh, this property was located. And, of course, it has two free, freeway um, uh, entrances. Yeah. It was really Steve Anderson who chose this land. And that what a prime property it was and is. And so, yeah, because of close to freeways, um, this was chosen. And then a little later, we expanded it into the back of the church in the back parking lot. So the whole 10-acre parcel wasn't bought at once? No. Oh. It was added to. And then what about across the street? Was Across that- the street. I think before we added to this property, we, I guess, we purchased trying to remember exactly, there was a building there, and we purchased or rented the property. And that gave us some more classroom space because we didn't have the building, the classroom building here. Uh, But it wasn't really safe to be crossing that road with children. And so that must have been when we expanded the back of the church and then eventually started building the current second edition. Yeah, because I was so surprised, and I bet most people have no idea that we owned the property where Discovery Baptist is today. Right. In fact, the story that I got was a kind of what you're saying, was that that property was sold, and the proceeds from that actually helped to fund the education building, which that would make sense. That probably was the case, yeah. So... This this property, and I remember when I first got the call from the search committee, um, you know, I just looked on a map, and this property is so easy to find because of, I mean, Wallachia, and the other side will always be Olympic to me. I have no right, idea what right, the street right, actually right. is. Changes six times. <laughs> yes. But, you know, it just kind of funnels down, Absolutely. you know, and it's just easy to find. And it's, you know, I, when I told people, I mean, I've lived here for 14 years, and I still don't know what any of the street names oh, are. Right, right. But even if I told you how to go to my house, I'd have to use the golf course to yes. tell you how to get there. Right. But I, I always tell people, you know, you can if you can find Uptown, just turn left and go downhill, and you'll find Harbor Covenant. It's just so easy yes. to find. So, what did the property have to be cleared when you? I mean, was it forested, or? I, I, I am going to say yes to the best of my knowledge. I don't exactly remember that process, um, but I think I have some pictures that show that. Uh, you know, the, the guy, it was, you know, the guys kind of did the finding the property yeah. and 
beginning to develop it and all that. Um, and we had a wonderful architect uh, who really put heart and soul into building. Yeah. How did it change the congregation when you owned your own building? All I can think of is that, you know, there was just such joy to have reached this point that we actually had a church <laughs> and that had, you know, been, we wanted to be present in our community. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it was welcoming new people. So did you have, did Ernie come before you owned the property? Yes. Okay. He came by the time we had our first service at Haven of Rest. Oh, really? Oh, he came much earlier than I thought. He oh, came he was early. here from the, oh, from the kind of the first time the church began to meet Ernie right, was here. Right, right. Ah, okay. I didn't realize that. So then, and now we're walking back just a little bit, but how did things change when you brought in a, a full-time pastor? Um, well, we had a director, <laughs> you know, somebody who could set the whole vision and pace for us. Um, and um, Barbara was very much a part. You know, they really... They were quite a team. They were a team, absolutely. And um, it was a delight. <laughs> I remember poor things. We hosted them when they first visited, and um, we had a, uh, a room in the basement with a bed and all that. And I remember our dog went in there in the morning and woke them up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of stories. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, one of the great blessings is when I came that Ernie and Barb were still around. Yes, you know, they had moved yes. down to Olympia to have a, you know, a decent amount of distance and also to retire. But it was such a blessing uh, to be able to know them. And Ernie and I did, you know, we were on the funeral circuit together for years, you know, because he knew people. Right. You know, and then I'd, I'd be called upon, you know, as the pastor. But Ernie was always there because he actually knew them. Yes, you know, yes. and it was it was so much fun to get to work because he really was quite a legend. Oh, yes. Yes. So what are some of the other things that you would say are highlights as you look back over the last 40 years of the ministry of this church? <laughs> I mean, I think of. Um, Katie Mason being the first baby born in our church. Uh, oh, the choir. And I think of it in this church, in this building. Um, but we had a choir director and a choir. And the choir director got such music out of that handful of people. Uh, it was quite amazing. Um, and we, we did a lot of... Uh, adult Bible studies, as well as Sunday school. What did the church mean to your kids as they were growing up? Everything. It was part of their lives. And it was interesting, when we started the church, there were some families who lived in Gig Harbor who did not participate, many because they had teenagers. And to come to a startup church without a program for teenagers just wasn't seen as a good idea. And so, you know, this church grew <laughs> their young people into teen years and through teen years. Um, so church was very much a part 
of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just amazing at the, the blessing that has uh, God's blessing that's been on this congregation. And I think a lot of that has to do with the faithfulness of the people who started it and the vision that they had. I think that that this church was started for all the right reasons, seems to me anyway. So, but now let's look the other direction. As you look out, I mean, the world has changed so much, not only the last 40 years, but in the last two or three or four. Um, as you look out over the next five years or so, what do you hope for the ministry of this church? You know, I, I smiled at that question when I looked at it today. And I thought, it was written as, uh, what vision do you have? And I thought, you know, I'm not a visionary. God brought people with many different gifts to this church as he continues to. And there are people such as you who lead us in vision. And uh, there are people, (laughs) I always appreciate uh, people who are musical, uh, because I am not. I mean, it would be dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> and but I, I, I just know that God will continue to bring people to meet the needs of the church. And uh, it's important that we continue to receive uh, uh, just, challenging and true to the scriptures teaching uh, so that we will also follow Jesus as he calls each of us. Last question for you. Um, So your life 40 years ago, um, you know, is different than people in the same situation that, you know, you had relatively young kids um, and I don't know whether you were working or not, but Tom was certainly busy and, you know, young family, all the things that, that come. Um, and, you know, life is a little bit different today, a little bit of different challenges for people who've got young kids. Um, so it's not exactly the same, but in some ways it's a lot the same. So you guys bit off a lot when you uprooted your family from the familiar church with all of the, you know, ministries that you needed that would have been very easy. And, you know, nobody would have blamed you if you had stayed because of those things. But you didn't. You, you did the difficult thing and you took your kids out and you worked harder than you needed to in order to get uh, that done. What would you say to people who have younger kids today about stepping out in faith and doing some things that are hard. I mean, what would you say and how did that affect your family? It, it set the whole tone for our family. And I would encourage young families to really, truly seek God's will and purposes. Uh, seek those things that are eternal. Now I'll tell you another part of the story. Okay. We came to Washington State in 1972, and Tom was a founding faculty at the University of Puget Sound School of Law. Um, And so we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the founding of the law school, now Seattle University. And when I look back at starting a law school and starting a church— 
starting a church is worth it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because it's eternal. And that's, that's how I would encourage young families. Um, what is God calling you to do that has eternal value? Because we can pursue a lot of other things, but they're not eternal. And that is a good last word. Thanks for your memories and thanks for your faithfulness. And thanks for chatting today. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Michael, and thanks, Carolyn, and thanks everyone else that helped start Harbor Covenant and for sharing your stories. If you've been a part of Harbor Covenant for any amount of time and you have a story of how God has changed you or something that God has taught you or a way that God has used you to bless others in our church or our community, we would love to hear it. Head to harborcove.church and share your story now.